I'm just going to bring a short word to tie in with what Luke's been saying. And I'd like to go through Psalm 23. And first of all, I'm going to read it, and then I'm going to just go through a verse at a time with some thoughts. The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He takes me to lush pastures, to lie down. He leads me to refreshing water. He restores my inner strength. He leads me down the right paths for the sake of his good name. Even when I must walk through the darkest valley, I fear no danger. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a feast before me in plain sight of my enemies. You refresh my head with oil. My cup is filled to the brim. Surely your goodness and faithfulness will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the Lord's house forever. So we know that David wrote this psalm. And I was thinking, when did he write it? Did he write it when he was a shepherd boy sitting under a tree, the lamb skipping around, he's playing his harp and he's writing it? Or did he write it as an old man and going over all the things God had done in his life and bringing them together and writing it? Which was it? Some of the Psalms were told when it was, but this we're not told. And I think partly we're not told because that would limit when we would want to apply it to ourselves. And actually, it can apply to every season of your life. So I like to think that he roughed it out when he was a shepherd boy. Under the tree, he kind of got the basic things down. And then as life events came to pass, he added bits and reworked bits until by the end of his life, he got the whole story there in this beautiful gem of a psalm, probably the best loved psalm. I wouldn't say probably, certainly the best loved psalm. One of the best loved passages of scripture. So what I want to do just very briefly is to go through the verses and suggest maybe some incident in his life that might have led to him writing that verse. So the Lord is my shepherd. Um, We... We read that uh, when David was, uh, just before David had that encounter with Goliath, um, Saul challenged him and said, no, what, what do you think? How can you face this giant? And David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And we have this uh, idea that David has that he is the one who has fierce love for the sheep. He doesn't just care about these sheep. He cares about them so much he's willing to take on a lion or a bear because he cares much about this sheep. And you can think of David who has the heart of a shepherd thinking, this is the name I'm going to give to God. I'm going to call him a shepherd because I know what a shepherd is. I know a shepherd's heart. A shepherd has this fierce love for his people. And um, uh, the sheep are, are valued to the shepherd. They're precious. And, and every one of you is precious to God. Every one of you. Jesus talks about the sheep that was lost, one sheep. And he went after that one sheep, leaving the 99 behind. 
The Lord is my shepherd. And then we have verse 2, provision. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He takes me to lush pastures to lie down. He leads me to refreshing water. Um, So there's a story where David had an unexpected feast in the wilderness. He was on the run from Saul and he was, his men were with him and he was having to move from place to place, had no fixed income, no fixed supply of food. And there was a woman whose name was Abigail and she heard about him and she heard about how, how good he'd been in protecting her shepherds when there were problems and how kind he'd been. And she decided to make this provision, this lush pasture, this wonderful provision for him in the wilderness. And this is the story. So Abigail quickly took 200 loaves of bread, two containers of wine, five prepared sheep, five sears, that's a, 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 like a sack of roasted grain, a hundred bunches of raisins, and 200 lumps of pressed figs. That sounds like a feast to me. She loaded them on donkeys and brought them as a gift for David and his men. Quite unexpected, completely out of the blue, this huge feast gets given. Lush pastures to lie down, refreshing water. It's the, the abundance of God. So maybe he wrote that line in at that point. Um, but, you know, the next part we have, verse 3, we have the idea of leading he restores my inner strength. He leads me down the right paths for the sake of his good name. And you know, the one lie that Satan wants to spread above all others about God's character is that God can't be trusted. That was the lie in the garden. That is the lie every time. You can't trust God. You know, if you step out in following him, you're on your own. You can't really trust him. He's so busy. He's got so many other things he's up to. And he has his own agenda. He's not faithful. He's aban- he'll abandon you. Well, here we have um, a situation where David really put himself out in, in trusting God. Um, and was led in an amazing way. What happened was this. David's brothers were old enough for military service. They'd been called up. To, in Saul's army, and they were at the battlefield between the Israelites and the Philistines. And this was the time when the, Isra- the Philistines decided they would choose this giant of a man as their hero to go out and to challenge a man from the Israelites to come and fight him. Now, it happened in God's amazing leading that was the one day that Jesse's, the, the Jesse, David's dad, who knew nothing about this, said to David, hey, your brothers might need some food. Why don't you, here's some, some special things for them. Why don't you go off and visit them? And so David went off and he arrived just at the point in God's amazing provision when Goliath was coming out. This is the, uh, the, the reference. Jesse said to his son David, take your brothers this ephah of roasted grain, these ten loaves of bread. Go quickly to the camp to your brothers. And he got there and he saw this encounter about to happen with um, Goliath. And um, for what's, what was stirred up in him? Well, it says uh, here, he leads me down the right paths for the sake of his good name. What does that mean? What does it mean for the sake of God's good name? What is God's good name? 
I would say that um, God's name is that he is faithful. He's the trustworthy one. He's the one who can be trusted. And this was the challenge that, you know, his Israel, Israel was, was God's people, and yet they were being trampled by their enemy. And David is so incensed that God's reputation is being put to shame here. He says, how can this man challenge God's people and win? How can this possibly happen? God's name is being brought into disrepute here. And he says, this is not right that this should happen. And we read, this very day, he says, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. Uh, Then all the land will realize that Israel has a God. So David steps out now because he's got such a concern for God's reputation. It makes him so angry that God is laughed at and puts to scorn. Does that make you angry when people laugh at God or say bad things about God or God's people? Make sure. And this did with David. And David said, I'm going to do something about this. And God's timing was so perfect that David was right there at that moment and he was able to go out extraordinarily defeat Goliath. And then we have the Dark Valley. And this is why I think that David didn't write the whole psalm while he was a shepherd boy under the tree. He hadn't really seen any darkness. But by the end of his life, he'd seen some very dark times. Even when I must walk through the darkest valley, I fear no danger. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. One of the darkest times was when his son, Absalom, led a rebellion against him and wanted to kill him. Can you imagine what that felt like? This was actually a special son to him. Wanted to kill him, he had to run for his life. And what happened was... Uh, it was quite extraordinary because as he ran away, as he left, quite out of the blue, a man came up to David and said, I want to help you. And David said, you know what? You can't help me right now, but you can actually say something to Absalom, which will completely throw him off and completely throw off his plans. And This man, in God's provision, was there at the right time and went and completely turned the tide of the war. And so even in his darkest uh, uh, valley, his darkest time, God was with him and God was there and never let him fall. Never let him fall. But there's another thing in that verse you may have noticed. Your rod and your staff, they come for me. And um, so a rod, you know, is a rod something you would think that would comfort you? Like a rod is like, like it's, it's a stick. How does that work? Well, um, you know, uh, shepherds had staffs. And here's a, here's a picture. This is actually a modern shepherd's website selling staffs for shepherds. And this is um, an aluminum plastic colored staff you can get. And it's exactly the same as the old staffs that they would use because it can hook around the shepherd's, the sheep's leg or around its neck and it can bring it back. And what David is saying here, you know, I did, I went off track sometimes, God. I went really, really badly off track. And he did. Uh, he committed adultery with Bathsheba. He committed murder. And yet God pulled him back. And so it was a comfort to him, ironically, to know that God had a staff 
The shepherd would pull him back. And when we go off track, it's a comfort to know God will pull us back. And um, I found another image of this in action. <laughs> so <laughs> this is what this is what this is what happened to David. He was going off, and God sent him Nathan the prophet, who was the the the, the stuff, and pulled him back. And so this is this is the praise that God has. You care about me so much, God, that you're going to do this when I go off track. You're going to pull me back, and you're going to bring me back into your plans, into the place that you want me to be. Um, so, um, again, we have uh, the idea of provision for us, provision for our needs. You prepare a feast before me. In plain sight of my enemies, you refresh my head with oil. My cup is filled to the brim. Well, when did that happen? Actually, Something very, very much that sounds exactly like this happened while he was on the run from Absalom. And probably reports came to his enemies about what was happening. And um, he's, no, he's, he's had to drop everything and run, leave the palace. He's, he, you can imagine he's thinking, how am I going to survive this? I haven't got anything with me. How am I going to even survive? And God does these amazing things on the way. I talked about the man who came and David was able to use him to completely tip the balance of the war. But then another man arrived. When David had gone a short way beyond the summit, Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, was there to meet him. He had a couple of donkeys that were saddled and on them were 200 loaves of bread. These poor donkeys must have been pretty weighed down, wasn't they? 200 loaves of bread, 100 raisin cakes, 100 baskets of summer fruit, and a container of wine. The king asked Ziba, why did you bring these things? Ziba replied, the donkeys are for the king's family to ride on. The loaves of bread and the summer fruit are for the attendants to eat. And the wine is for those who get exhausted in the desert. God supernaturally provided this for him. As his enemies are surrounding him, God is providing for him. And um, this, I think, fits in so well with with the psalm. In the presence of his enemies, he's given not just food, but abundance of food. He says, my cup's absolutely full to the brim, like it couldn't be fuller. And he's got everything that he could possibly need. And then we have goodness and faithfulness forever. Surely your goodness and faithfulness will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in that Lord's house forever. It won't be that I'll experience your goodness and faithfulness. No, they will pursue me. You are so determined to be faithful to me, God. You're just so determined to never let me go. It's like you're pursuing me and I cannot escape your love for me. It is so strong. So the last story I have here is that David, as his life drew to a close, he wanted to build a house for God. He wanted to build a temple for God. And at that time, they were still worshipping God in the tabernacle, in the tent that came through the wilderness. And God said, no, actually, you can gather the materials, but your son is going to build the temple for me. But... You want to build me a temple, you want to build me a house, 
And this is like a pun on words that worked in the original Hebrew. You want to build me a house, but actually I'm going to build you a house. And by a house, it means like uh, descendants are going to be gone forever. Like your house is your, your um, dynasty. And God says, I'm going to build you a house that will never fail. Your descendants, in fact, it turned out, you know, in the line of Jesse was Jesus Christ. In the line of David was Jesus Christ, born in Bethlehem, David's hometown. And David's descendants, David's greatest descendant, would be the one who was the king forever and ever. And so he says, David, I'm going to build you something for eternity. You'd want to build me a temple. Actually, no, I'm going to build you something that's going to last forever. I'm going to give you a destiny that will never, ever fail. What an extraordinary promise to God. And God makes us that promise in Jesus. We have a destiny, if we're following him, that will never fail. That forever and ever and ever we will be with him, worshipping him with value and with destiny. And I want to close with the passage in John 10 where Jesus picks up on this the, the shepherd idea and describes himself. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand who is not a shepherd and does not own sheep, sees the wolf coming and abandons the sheep and runs away. So the wolf attacks the sheep and scatters them. Because he's a hired hand, he's not concerned about the sheep. He runs away. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. The 23rd Psalm is the one after the 22nd Psalm, which begins, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Jesus experienced the 22nd Psalm so that we can experience the 23rd Psalm. He endured being abandoned, so we would never, ever have to be abandoned. And you want to come up now to... Close. And uh, I want to urge you this morning to, following on from the testimony that Luke has given us, that this testimony is not one that's just unique to Luke and Amanda, but it's all of our testimonies. It's David's testimony. David, God called him a man after my own heart, because although he had failings, he pursued God's living his life for God. And he, anybody who pursues living a life for God will never be put to shame, will never miss out in the end. That is Satan's lie. But God says, I am the good shepherd. I will look after you. You can abandon yourself to me. Follow my will for your life, and you will never suffer loss through that. So um, I don't know what you're going through right now. I don't know which part of Psalm 23, you identified with the best. I'm sure that unless you're supernatural, there's some part of Psalm 23 that you can identify with, if not all of it. I can certainly identify with parts of it. And I want us to, this morning, just have confidence that Jesus Christ is the good shepherd. He knows you, and he knows what you're going through right now. 
He knows which part of the psalm you're going through. He knows your needs. He sees them. And he will be there for you. He will care for you. And his provision will be there. So hold on. Hold on to him. Don't listen to the lies of the evil one, who's, who's the, the, the hired hand, who's not concerned about the sheep, who will just leave them. Don't listen to his lies. The good shepherd is faithful to his sheep forever. Amen. Let's pray. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that you care for us, that when we have needs, you've promised to provide. When we're in danger, your strength is enough for us. And when we drift away from you, Lord, you will pull us back. And Lord, we thank you for Jesus who suffered so much that we, so that we do not have to suffer. And we pray, Lord, that we would never listen to the lies of the evil one, but just listen to the voice of the good shepherd who calls us to him. In his name we ask it. Amen.